0: Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. Welcome back everybody to part two of the two-part series with Sabrina Jafar. She lets us know what those two things are. And then we jump head first. We talk about the pandemic, how it's affecting her, her dancers, and the workload they're having to do. We discuss mental health again with dancers, and she really shares a whole bunch of knowledge about things that she's learning along the way. Follow them on social media, Instagram, FHHSJoffrey. You can find out all the amazing things that they're doing, and you can even see a couple solos online. All right, everybody, take a listen to this week's one-on-one with Sabrina Jafar.
1: Just having the support of another dancer in the building is huge.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: Something I was not, I was not prepared for two things when I first started the program. I didn't realize, A, how isolated I would feel going from my whole life pretty much being around all dancers all the time. All people who understand what you do, how you see the world speak your language to then being the only dancer in a building of 250 teachers and none of them understand anything that you do. (laughs) Yeah. And that was really isolating. And I just, it took me so long to be able to kind of socialize and communicate in an authentic way because I, it was just, it was just very, very different and I felt isolated. And then what really helped was when I was able to start bringing in guest artists. And when I was able to, um, bring in a second dance teacher, like, I think that's, that's really important for a program to have the vision of having more than one dance teacher, um, so that it really feels like a department, Mm -hmm. and a community, and the students, you know, while I get along with all of my students, and, you know, I have a very good relationship with them, You know, like our dance teachers and there's different personalities and people get along with other person. We're very different. So one student might be feel more comfortable talking to her and another student might be feel comfortable talking to me. And I think that was a huge thing. The other thing is that I wasn't expecting. And this is something for any dancers who are still dancing, still performing and then considering doing, you know, somewhat of a drastic change in their career, I, I was still, I was still dancing and I still had a contract. I, I actually, when I decided to take the job at the high school had to turn down the contract for the company that I was still dancing with. And I was loving dancing with Ninety Chen. I was loving her work. I was so happy, but this was just an opportunity at a time that I didn't feel like it could pass up. <laughs> and it was really, really hard. I felt pretty sick when I, when I turned it down. And then, it sounds crazy, but the whole first year I was teaching, and I loved teaching, and I loved when I was teaching. So it's still confusing to me. But I felt like literally someone died in my family that was so close to me every day. I, I grieved so much harder than I could have mm. ever imagined for the first year. I know, and it's still hard for me to explain sometimes because when I was in the studio and teaching, I was so happy and I loved what I was doing. But then when I would get home because I wasn't performing or rehearsing for myself, because there just was no time when you're actually developing mm-hmm. a program and running it, it's very different than just teaching and leaving and leaving it at the door. Um, I It was just a very abrupt, I think, transition for me that took a very long time for me to fully feel good and happy and... Uh, Yeah, just Mm -hmm. i was very surprised by that grieving. (laughs) It was like the whole process of grief, you know, like the anger, the sadness, the like all the things because dance and being a performer is such a huge part of like, not only our identity, it's like your spirit, you know, it's...
0: Yeah, it becomes your DNA and there's not really much more you you really want to do other than, and than that, and then yes. tra- making that transformation, I can see even when you talked about mental health, it takes, it's the opportunity you couldn't turn down. And then it's having to deal with that decision, yes. not with regret, but how, how well, can you make yourself feel comfortable knowing that this is the best, the, the best decision that you made?
1: Exactly. And I think in my mind, I didn't fully understand, which I am, Completely fine with okay, because I'm extremely happy now. But at that time, I think what I didn't fully really understand was I thought like, oh, okay, public school will be out at this time. I can still mm-hmm. dance in evenings. I'll still take on projects. Well, mm-hmm. a just I, I didn't know I was going to have to go to graduate school, and that was my evenings for three years, which was mm-hmm. great because I got to dance a lot in graduate school. It's fabulous. Um, but. And then the other thing is just when you're directing and running a program, again, like I said, it is so much outside of actually even just your teaching hours. Um, And especially if you love it and you really want it to thrive and you really want to build something, it takes all of you. And I enjoy it. Like, I love it. But it just takes all your time. Um, Yeah. I'm now at a point where, for the first time, in after, and I think anyone who starts a business might, you know, actually say the same thing about it takes like about seven to ten years before mm-hmm. things are in a place where they're running, you know, almost on their own in a way that that frees you up. And so I, I'm starting to feel that now, and it feels wonderful that I have more time, uh, even before the pandemic situation.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. And I'm excited to possibly, you know, start dancing more on my own and doing some things outside of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just feel so fulfilled by what I do with these young people. And now that I've had a few classes of graduating classes, um, just that alumni family support that these students I see them every single day for four years of their entire adolescent experience. Mm-hmm really unique and special and just how we're so close with, you know, Hanna and yeah. it's, it's the same thing. It's like the full circle, you know, and I feel so grateful and honored to be in that position.
0: Sure. Absolutely. All right, Sabrina. So let's just jump in and kind of extend upon what we were talking about last time. We had such a good interview and I wanted to just take a pause and kind of reflect a little bit and then move forward because the things that, I'm interested now are brand new things that have never been done before. Um, Because of this pause with the pandemic, we as teachers or we as creators and human beings have really had to do different things and think outside of the box. So what are you doing to still teach dance at this level during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, that's been a process and it's definitely evolved and, and changed throughout the time that we, I don't even know if we're in week eight or something like that of teaching online. But, um,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. when we first started, yeah, it was like, we, you know, I'm sure like all teachers had all of our curriculums and all the end of the year stuff. And it just started all of these things and then you're like, okay, what is still possible? Um, how will we do that? Okay. What is not possible? And then I kept asking myself, okay, but what are the opportunities in this moment that we might not have otherwise? Like I'm always, trying to challenge my students to look at problem solving skills and dance, um, in terms of like, when something looks like a limitation, that could be a possibility for something new. And so the first, um, the first few weeks were just crazy because, um, we didn't even know what we could use yet. We didn't know if we were a we didn't get the okay to use Zoom or Google Classroom or anything for the first about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so Mm -hmm. for dance, I was like, I I can't even teach them live. Some performing arts high schools were just giving a lot of essays and things. And I really wanted to keep them moving because as artists, athletes, we know how important that is to our psyche. And especially during that uncertain time, like those endorphins, being creative, um, keeping a normalcy of the things you love to do is really important for them. So So, when I couldn't teach them live for the first few weeks, I really took advantage of all the incredible, like, Instagram live Mm -hmm. uh, classes of all these, like, professional dancers who were also out of work and giving these master classes that normally we wouldn't be able to take a class with Tyler Peck every single day or, you know, um, or the Graham Company members or whatever it is. So, for the first few weeks, what I did was um, I would assign them. Uh, a class, two ballet classes a week, IG live or YouTube live, um, the Graham company, Lamone company, it kind of curated it, an improvisation class. And then it was like, okay, so how am I going to know they're actually doing it? And how am I, if I can't see them, (laughs) give Mm -hmm. them back or, um, so what I would have them do is sometimes I would have them time lapse themselves taking the class and they would upload it to our Google classroom. Um, along with a reflection sheet that was specific to that class, um, you know, what were things they learned, what did they find challenging, um, what did they think they did well, specific corrections the teacher gave, um, and I would always take the class too, so I would really tailor it to things that I know the teacher was, um, kind of pointing out, and, and, um, and just making sure that they were having time to reflect on it, which I always do anyway in the classroom, and, mm-hmm. uh, and if I didn't have them time lapse, I would also say video yourself doing, like if it was ballet, one of the end of the bar combinations um, and one of the center combinations, or I would be specific about which combinations so then I could at least give them feedback personally um, mm-hmm. in some way. So that was kind of the first two weeks or week two weeks, which was really interesting and it went well. And the students, most of them said they really enjoyed it. Um, And I just thought that was such a great opportunity. It was really amazing how the dance community just like was like, boom, online, we're doing this thing all together. And um, I wanted them to feel a part of that, that dance community of the world. Um, And I think they did. And then one- Do you think- Yeah.
0: Sorry, go ahead. Do you think that, um, do you think, I know because Instagram and a lot of social media sites, dancers were just pushing out content, Do you think there was a level issue when it came to some of the things that people were pushing out? Because, you know, we, we strive so hard to keep everybody, you know, separated. So there's no injury. There's no, they're at their appropriate level so they can advance forward. But with when people were pushing out classes, there was no level concerned with all of them. It was just like really huge. Some of the ones that I saw were quite high. And in my mind, I was thinking, gosh, there are people that are, Levels well below this that are, are that are trying to do all these things. That one, they're in their private space, so they don't have mirrors to see or correct their body, and teachers aren't able to have that visual um, contact with them to give them you know feedback on it. And what kind of injury is going to come out of this if people aren't careful or if they're trying to push themselves too much? Did you was that ever a concern when you were looking at these things, or did you actually? search out the specific ones for them to do
1: yeah I totally agree and yes I really curated it and I would either take them first um and I I mean the benefit is that I know my students and I have three specific levels so I didn't even assign every class the same Mm. same thing at all um -hmm. and you know Sometimes, there was only maybe about two times in my mind I can think where I was like, I know this is going to be too challenging for this group, but um, sometimes that's good, you know, to to like mm-hmm. make them feel a little bit like, oh, you know, this is what the next level requires of me and I can tell I, I, I don't feel, you know, or this is what I need to do. Not all the time, obviously, um, but I totally agree when it's just like the general you know, like anyone taking and we don't know what the, it's really up to the person to take care of themselves. And the other thing is that, you know, we had a very clear conversation with my students about, listen, whatever we're doing, everyone's situation right now is so specific that you have to learn to be, um, responsible for your own body and safety. And if you ever don't feel comfortable doing something, you don't have the space to grand ma, You don't have, you know, the right flooring to to pirouette because it's slippery. You have to make that decision and know that it's okay. Especially with live class with me, like also, um, some people have big spaces,
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: some people don't. Some people are in their little tiny bedroom So we also talk about like modifying and how to do that, which is something I never Mm -hmm. really had to do before, you know, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so they're kind of learning, uh, that process, but I I completely agree that that's a challenge in terms of the level. Um, but I also was really, um, choosing like major institutions. So like, and and even specific performers or teachers, um, you know, that were from the Graham, Ailey, you know, these people, most of them like either I knew or, and then I had taken their class, um, Mm -hmm. to make sure the information being given was things I thought were valuable for my students too, you know?
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: No, I completely agree. And, you know, there's the whole issue of like, you know, our floors and making sure we're not Mm -hmm. also injuring our kids and, you know, jumping to not jump to, but at the same time, it's like, when we go back, we have to make sure that those muscles are still intact. So doing, doing it in in the right way too, you know?
0: Yeah. And do I'm, I'm guessing you're now teaching zoom. I I feel like most of the world is now teaching on zoom or in a Google classroom setting. How is that going for you?
1: Yeah, it's so the so after when they finally um, gave us the okay through the DOE to use Zoom, um, which then they took that away, but then it came back. Um, I was so excited to get like it was a magical first day, I think, for all of us to see each other. And those first Mm -hmm. few weeks, I taught every single class, three classes a day from my (laughs) living room, live, all three levels. Like, and I was so excited but exhausted, and it was. Not the same, but it was. I think it really meant a lot to everyone. Um, and I was very surprised. I thought, like, there's no way this is gonna work. And I was really mm-hmm. surprised at the level in which I could still see them and still correct them, and yeah. and how valuable it still was. I felt was like this is gonna be like a follow along. They're not gonna be able to see me properly. I'm not. Gonna... And I was so inspired the first day. I felt so hopeful that we could continue. Um, and then it was just about making the choices about, with the space we have and the situation, what is going to be the most valuable for, thing it, for them at this time? Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I had kind of not gotten to this year yet that I was planning on, um, in terms of modern um, uh, syllabus, We were gonna start doing gram work in the spring Uh and we hadn't and it ended up being a perfect time because the floor work doesn't need much space Mm -hmm. and so where gram can feel monotonous I feel like for um, high schoolers when you're in a large space you want to move and I believe in that, especially for young dancers. Um, that foundation of the technique on the floor work is really, really vital and important and and helpful. So it was like a perfect reason to do it. And they were, you know, they, they can't move anyway. And, And I think they took to it almost in a better way because of the situation, um, but after two weeks of me like teaching all day long from my living room with my family being quarantined to other rooms, you know, my daughter's doing her Google Classroom, which she needs help with. And I'm realizing, oh, she's missing assignments because we don't even understand it. Mm-hmm. I realized it really wasn't going to be sustainable for the rest of the year of teaching every single class live. So thankfully, um, we had already, which we've had a four year partnership with ABT. Um, and I have, two basically adjunct ballet faculty members who I've had for the last three years that are so amazing. And we weren't sure if we were gonna be able to continue through this time, um, which we just started their residency. It's always in the spring. And then working with ABT, we were able to work it out. And so they, it takes a lot off of me in terms of the amount of classes, because I have, basically I'm teaching one class live every single day and some days two,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: the other classes are live and I'm there because I'm the teacher of record um, and I'm watching and I get to observe my students, but one of my ABT faculty are teaching for me. And mm-hmm. so I don't have to necessarily be in a large space. You know, my family, if they need that space, um, it's only taken up maybe three hours a day, two hours a day. That has really, really been helpful. And I think for my students to continue to have, you know, their instructors that they look to for um, support and guidance. And, you know, I always choose really um, passionate people with positive outlooks. And I think that that was huge for us. Um, yeah, zoom
0: <laughs> yeah it, it sounds like they're you're offering them a lot of exposure and I, I have the same situation with you i was actually really excited to teach on zoom i thought like this is the time where we're in technology and these kids are getting it and i felt a sense of you could still feel the sense of a vibration that that the students really wanted to do it and they wanted to kind of witness this new form of teaching. And it was so cool. And I, and I, but I was still hesitant, because I was like, how much can I actually get done? And after that first week, and then, you know, thinking back on it, and you're like, wow, what can I do? And how can I use some of the tools that I that I have in my bag of tricks, to help help these students along. But what I was noticing was that there was becoming lapsed now, like we are two months, two and a half months in teaching. I just finished a season, um, a dance season this past week. And I noticed there was this kind of a dip in a in, in kind of enthusiasm for it or um, and not necessarily the behavioral issues, but a sense of not as excited as before. Have you been witnessing this with your students and how are you able to redirect them being so distant with the technology
1: yeah that's interesting um i have felt dips from different students at different times
0: and Mm
1: -hmm. i i don't think as an overall i think maybe because i'm in high school and we're approaching the end so there's lots of uncertainty final exams they're just constantly looking at a computer so i do think there is some fatigue of just being online with people um which I, you know, I feel it too. It's, I think we mm. all still feel that it's definitely better than not. And I think once summer comes and all, you know, it's done, I think students, because I have some students who are at SUNY Purchase or in college and they've been asking to come take our live classes because they've been off for a few weeks and now they're like, what do I do now? Like, there's nothing. And that was mm-hmm. hitting them harder than they thought. So mm-hmm. I think... Um, with the fatigue and some of the issues, um, I think just often what I see is like, you're saying they'll come onto the screen now and you can tell that they're already a bit drained from their academics or whatever and the level is hard to get their engines revving again. And I think Mm -hmm. as the teacher kind of like being being the energy that you hope that they will match kind of starts to lift them and, um, making a joke, um, asking, having a conversation. Like I always try to at least like talk with them a little bit, let them share something, um, Mm -hmm. and just get them talking and communicating. So it's not like, okay, another class where I'm, my mute is off and I'm just staring and someone's talking at me or something like that. Um, I also really try frequently throughout the class to ask them questions um, mm-hmm. so that they are not just going through the motions, but they are being, you know, involved in, and just engaging them in, in the process, um, together. Um, I'm trying to think of some other like specific examples. I
0: mean. No, that engagement is the, th- is the thing I've noticed too, is like, really, I try to have a conversation. I'm, and I'm guessing this is kind of the same too, is just when they come in, I'm finding the same situation. There's a little bit of a drain because I teach at night times. Yeah. I teach at a privately owned studio and yeah. I teach at night. So this is after a full day of that, of that technology fatigue and they're back on again. Yeah. Um, and it's great that they're physical and their parents are, appreciate the physicality and appreciate the time, you know, that they don't have to be in the classroom with them teaching them. Yes, there is that there is that I can see it in their, in the way they come into the room and the way that and you and there's that human element when you walk in that you can connect with somebody but with this technology I'm having to think differently I have to think maybe there is something wrong with them and giving them that platform to say I asked them what happened good this week or what didn't happen as good this week and letting them tell me in that in that format what was what's wrong with them yeah. and trying to figure out because i don't have that human connection with them yeah. to let them do it for me and then sympathize of course i sympathize for all of them because we're all in this with them together and then try to build that. And like you said, ask them questions, engage them throughout the entire class using their names so that they know that this is not just a repetitive sort of situation that it's just going to be like a follow along for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, what it is.
1: Yes, And like, I think something that's, that's really helpful too is, like letting them watch each other. So you know how we have groups yes. in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Like at the first few weeks, I, I didn't think to do that or the first week because we didn't need to do that because we all had our own spaces. And then mm-hmm. I really, that's such a fun part is being able to watch your friends dance and it like motivates you. And so we started doing the groups like, All the A's, you know, it's your turn now. All And they would come close and they would watch each other and give feedback and, um, you know, just engage with their friends and let them know, like, I see you too. And um, that, I think, was really huge. And that's when I see the biggest smiles and them light up. And um, at the end, like, I just feel a different, like you said, vibration, which is is so great. Um, I mean, yeah, there's also, there were definitely some things I realized uh, about, just like it's kind of funny because if this is definitely going to be a part of our lives forever, hopefully not Completely. in this, you know, amount. But um, we have to reteach dance etiquette. We have to reteach, mm. uh, you know, Zoom dance class etiquette, which is what I realized because at first, you know, my kids. I believe in really setting your expectations very clearly from the beginning, and then really holding true to them. Um, when I first started teaching I would give a lot of benefit of the doubt but and I realized that wasn't actually helpful for the students because it would keep happening or they would push the boundary a little more and now my the way I teach is I set my expectations they're very clear about what's expected in a dance classroom and then I um I deal with it as soon as it happens and I have had such more like consistent success like when people come to visit the classroom, guests, whatever, they're like, this is the most respectful environment. The kids know how to take class. They know how to study their work. They know like, and it just makes things flow. And I realized all that is still true, but there's even other things I have to lay out for them that's helpful in this situation. So just like, for example, like I remember before our first Zoom class, maybe you guys had kids do this too, but you know, one of my students, she said, she texted me, she was like, so do we, do we still have to wear ballet clothes to our ballet class? And I, my response was kind of like, what is different about this situation? She was like, that we're not in the studio. I'm like, yep, nothing else. Ballet class is still ballet class. And I still need to see your body and you still will feel much more engaged and like a dancer and hold yourself like a dancer. I said, if you're in your pajamas, you're gonna dance like you're in your pajamas. I'm not gonna be able to see you. So those types of things where it was confusing at first, it was like, this is not the environment for this situation and clarifying what was still expected or mm-hmm. body language. So in the classroom, a big thing I'm really about is you know your body language and how you're communicating to the teacher yeah. Because high schoolers are very often not uh, aware and they can seem like they absolutely hate it and they they don't care. And, and that's not actually how they feel. But they're not even aware of the crossed arms, the slump, the like, you know, I apathetic rolling or whatever. I've had students that are completely not aware of it. Uh, that's a whole conversation for another yeah. podcast because I have some money. But on on the Zoom, you know, I, I'm like, I have to show them when they're like slumped over with their, you know, hand on their face or if they're looking out of the screen, I don't know they're still paying attention or like there's there's just like dance etiquette things now on Zoom that we have to add to our
0: <laughs> Yeah, our teach- teaching repertoire.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I well, and then like you said, you have to give the student the benefit of the doubt. I've had a few moments where I thought the student was being very rude, but they are having an issue. So and later on, they had they were like, we're so sorry, because I was got on them right away, you know, after mm-hmm. not. in class. And the issue was the student, I saw two students, I could tell they were talking to each other, like on <laughs> maybe their phones, or something. And it They didn't know the combination, so I thought they weren't paying attention. They, it was just a whole bunch of things. So later Mm -hmm. they told me it was very funny. Like, Mr. Farr, we're so sorry. One of them was like, my whole screen was frozen. She wasn't frozen for me. So I could still see her like trying to guess what was going on, but I thought she was just not paying attention she goes, I couldn't see what was going on. So I FaceTimed another student in the class and was trying to follow her on my phone. Uh, <laughs> so they were actually trying really hard to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, okay, guys, from now on, you gotta like, let me know there's an issue on the chat, on the side, something, mm-hmm. you know, so that I'm aware. And I don't think you're just whatever you're doing.
0: Sure. Um, no, it makes all the sense. I mean, it's a it's a, Brand new repertoire that we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to continue with. I think it's we have, We've all added this little not another notch in our belt. And why let go of it? You know, what what we're witnessing is that people from all over the world can take a class now from us, not just in our neighborhood where where the studio thrives. It's now now people from California, people from Europe, people from Australia can. Can zoom into a class if they want to, and I think it's something that we're you know we're going to be able to hold on to um, for a while to come, and we still can offer those we can still offer those community classes like that. We can still offer a whole bunch of things like that. But with with Zoom and this pause, what do you think is going to be? How do you think it's going to impact the growth of your students?
1: You know, it's still really hard to say, obviously, since, you know, we've never gone through this. Um, for instance, you know, we're we're not sure if we'll be starting back in the fall. Um, it gotcha. seems from the talk that we might be starting the year again like this. So I have a whole new freshman class coming in. Um, seniors again, obviously, like I am not sure. I think. The biggest thing for me right now is, in terms of dance, is just the lack of ability to travel and to jump. I mean,
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. and to partner, you know, partner work. I don't even know if that will be a thing for a very long time. Um, And on the flip side, like we were saying, it's also given an opportunity for them to work on other things at more of a focus level. Like I keep explaining to them that, you know, this is the time to really train that foundation because, um, when we get back in the studio, that's, what's going to serve you the best anyway, um, in the center. And then the other thing is I'm hoping they'll just be able to relate to each other still. Like like my, my mm-hmm. principal even has mentioned, she feels as if I, I the school is forty five hundred kids. She feels like kids are almost gonna have to be like re socially trained like taught mm-hmm. again just like mm-hmm. socialization, um, and respect and and just all those things that come with being in a community together every day that's not your home and your family. Um and so what do-
0: what about yep. the performance element do you think is going to impact them because you know we we plan to strive for celebrations or and you know milestone markers with performances what how do you think that's going to impact the students because it's going to be a while um what everybody's saying is that this is going to be a while um and that is essential for for young performers to have that praise and that 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 experience with all of it. How do you think that that, that element is going to affect them?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's definitely, um, a core principle of my program. We perform quite a lot and put on very large shows. And, um, that was one of the biggest things for me trying to figure out, is it possible to still do something for this end of the year? Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we are, we're in the process of, I mean, now we've been having rehearsals, they, we, they learned almost the entire Labiadere Kingdom of the Shades through, through Zoom. All my classes were all doing something. I'm still trying to figure out how that will be because I'm learning the technology to support it. So I'm editing it all and trying to figure out what's the best format to do it, YouTube Live. I don't know, so that they can still you know, feel as much of that you know, important performance, skill, and quality um, that you're talking about. So I'm really, like, in this moment because we're, like, building the plane, you know, as we're flying Mm -hmm. it the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. But, like, going forward um, next year and things, I'm not really sure. I mean, another thing, like, when we were talking about how uh, we were so pleasantly surprised Mm. at what we were able to do through Zoom. Um, there's been a few situations now where people have put out some live performances and I was actually surprised that I still got goosebumps and I still had a lot of the feelings that I was absolutely sure were not possible uh, Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. this virtual medium. So I, it's, I mean, there's so many options, right? Like, I don't know if if they allowing us to have 50 people at a time in a room, then maybe the performers can be there performing on the stage, but it's got to be live, you know, uh, streamed or Mm -hmm. are we only allowed to sell a certain amount of tickets and spread people out very far or like, you know, there's so many unknowns. Mm -hmm. Um, and then. You know, what I'm doing right now with my students, um, they're doing solo work, which you know Mm is interesting because it's not something you always get to have the opportunity to work on until you're at a certain level. Uh, But for my students right now, one of their end of the year projects is they're writing their own text to reflect on this time. And they're putting music behind it. And they're creating solo compositions. And I'm teaching them about solo composition. and so I might be, you know, we might be just seeing a lot more solo work too um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the future. Um, you speak of no the, thoughts on yeah, that?
0: Yeah, it's been interesting because I've, I'm sure all of us have been kind of thinking about how we can do something soon. But as an artist, what do you think, how do you feel like the next five, 10 years is going to look like in the dance community? Something that I always that I have in the back of my brain dance community specifically, but I also think about entertainment as well because there's so many of our friends that are in the Broadway sector that that looks like that that might change as well but in the dance community, what do you think that that's gonna look like?
1: yeah it's um, it's interesting I I don't know I'm I think that My biggest fear, probably, like many, is funding. Funding's always something that's an issue. And then, you know, when you talk about, people talk about essential businesses and stuff, like continuing to fight for the fact that art is essential to our humanity, um, I think is going to be a continual stand that we are going to have to figure out how to constantly make more prevalent in the minds of people. Um, Mm -hmm. But um i think things are just going to be smaller and they're going to have to find ways of i really don't know i mean it's it's definitely a little bit scary and at the same time (laughs) though you know artists and dancers in the dance community have always been up against like so much uh difficulty and we always find a way so I'm not worried about that. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: There will it will be very interesting and will be very different. Um, I think for me right now in New York City, as all it's just the funding and how that's that's going to be addressed and going forward is one of my biggest concerns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't I don't really know. I mean, I think virtual. I mean, well, so what before this all started. I had some experience in terms of rehearsing virtually and things like this. I was dancing for a company called Gassimar Dance Theater like 10 years ago. We're very, very close. And and she was Palestinian-American. And she, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we, she was amazing. And her work always had a lot of virtual storytelling elements to it. But she ended up. Uh, on a tour, we were, I I didn't go on this one, but um, was in Ramella, and she fell in love with uh, Drew's man there, make a long story short. She ended up staying there and we had a whole residency for the LaGuardia Performing Arts Center to create this evening length work. And we did, I would say probably 70% of it via Skype uh, with Mm -hmm. her in, we were all in the same rehearsal, but she was across the world. And we created entire evening length work that was incredible, uh, through this virtual way with our choreographer. So I know that these things are possible. Um, mm-hmm. it's definitely, it's going to be about the level of engagement of like how many people can be in a room together. I mean, that's going to be yeah.
0: like
1: the main thing that's going to drive what's possible, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think about this, I, I've thought about it a lot really, and my hope, of course, there are gonna, my hope is not this. My hope, I know that there are going to be people that, companies that can't survive through this. And I understand that there's a lot of, you know, businesses that aren't going to survive through all of this. Yeah. But my hope yeah. is in the dance community that we now are ready to try new things as well. Because we had, there's there was this pattern of just keeping going forward, what was going to be new, what's going to be the new next thing. But now we've all had to like really internalize this for ourselves and be with ourselves. What can branch out of this? This is, that's why I'm excited for it because we've all had this two month break and there's been people that have been hustling and we've been online and we've been, you know, trying to pump out, um, pump out material so we stay relevant but I'm really excited in the next five years to see what kind of art is developed from it because people have had to ask themselves, how do I perform in a smaller space? That's something that all of us are doing right now. And, and then once we get that human connection again, how, what are the new ways of moving together that haven't been explored before? So these, the, and these are all interesting things, you know, it's really had people, (sighs) moving and creating things that they never have had to ever before. And then using this technical element into their work that they didn't normally use before. How can they use this technical space and enhance all of their works? So I'm excited to to go through all of it in the next five and 10 years. I'm, I'm, I'm more assured that, that we're going to be audiences will be there and they'll be able to support. So I know that that's going to happen and I just can't wait to find out all the little nuggets of um, great things to come from all of this. I
1: completely because
0: agree. This community, the dance community, the entertainment community. I mean, it's, it's, th- it thrives for everything. Yeah, but that,
1: as dancers and artists, we kind of live on that edge of, um, you know, when nothing is certain, everything is possible. Like yeah. that's, that's how we live our lives anyway, outside of this situation. And so I think mm-hmm. it's already been a character tool that, that was in our, our toolbox, like you said, that we were able to pull out. And it will be so, so interesting to see, um, you know, what happens. I think a lot more collaborations that should have probably yes. happened before this will happen. Um, I think organizations will have to support each other. Um, I think it will definitely have to be the, you know, it takes a village and and not, we have yeah. to start working together more as an artistic community. Um, it can't be one organization over another. It needs to... And, mm-hmm. and like you said, mentioned before, um, you know, the possibilities for collaboration are so much larger because we are doing it across country lines and state mm-hmm. lines. So artists that didn't normally show their work or we weren't, didn't have available to us now are. And so different things are going to come out of that. That would have never happened before. Yes,
0: I completely agree. I've been, I partnered with a a health insurance company and to do some movement classes for them. And one of the directors asked me, she says, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. You know, I'm, I'm in this environment. I'm, I'm I've figured it out for myself. Um, Sometimes I have my good days and my bad days and yeah. and I told her, I said, we're gonna come out of this as a we, not a me. Exactly. Because with without the help of somebody else, there's no way that you're gonna be able to reinvigorate yourself outside of outside in this in this community, but all by yourself. It's gonna have to have a support system. It's gonna be that village. We're gonna need each other to really move forward in all of this. A hundred percent, for sure. For sure. Um, So at the end of each of my podcasts, I ask people for five things. Sometimes it's funny things. Sometimes it's, you know, heartwarming things. But I thought for, since we've been talking, I've just thought, gosh, there's so much um, transparency and people have given you so much good advice. I wanted to find out what are like five words of wisdom that people have told you along your journey that you know. Somebody else can benefit from. Hmm.
1: Um, well, the biggest thing for me that I think I wish I would have internalized a little bit earlier, um, and that I try to instill within my students now, um, is just the idea that like success is usually the result of taking risks without mm-hmm. like thinking about the failure. Um, I, I tend to have an was always had a perfectionist uh kind of character and i can only see now how that helped me but also where it held me back so exactly um you know i think and now i can i can observe them in my students my highly talented students and i can see where it's holding them back it's almost like reflecting on myself sometimes Mm -hmm. i really um i think that's one of the biggest things just success is the result of taking risks most of the time it's not usually playing it safe and Um, and that's, that's hard. That's a hard thing to do.
0: (laughs) I know I've had, I've struggled with this, with perfectionism in this past quarantine. It's something that I've had to really dig deep and find out with myself. I had a friend who passed and I was realizing I was trying to make it perfect, make my life perfect so that I could, um, pad things that were wrong. Um, and that's the same thing that happened. And I had to really think back to when I was a dancer and I was um, younger, and I always strived per- for perfection. Yeah. That I wasn't, I wasn't striving for a release or an energy just to come out and to find that. And I, it's really. I've taken it with me throughout my life and I've taken things personally because of my perfectionism, my perfectionism and I really had to learn how to release all that, you know, yeah. My, yeah. I'm going to be my own worst critic, So nothing I do is ever going to be perfect, but I did my best. I'm having to tell myself I'm doing my best at this. So yeah. that is enough. That's more than enough.
1: Yeah. And I think this relates to what we talked about on the first um, podcast, which is about, training the mental health of our dancers and Mm -hmm. is a big part of it because there's, there's a balance, you know, you don't want to be apathetic and, you know, be praising yourself when you didn't do your best, but there's another side of it that, um, where it can definitely hold you back from being your best. And, um, I, I I've been reading this book or I was reading this book a while ago called brave, not perfect. And it's a fabulous book. I recommend it to everyone. Um, it's it's more a little bit more geared towards women and how society you know kind of constructs females to be more perfect than brave. Um, that's mm-hmm. uh, you know early childhood, but um, yeah, she just talks a lot about like breaking free from that trap of perfection and kind of like rewiring our.
0: I think we dropped hello what? hello can you hear me yeah perfect
1: oh, okay perfect um you know perfection can sometimes feel safe because it feels like you can control it in some way although oh, we know yeah are not <laughs> completely real things um but to be brave and take the risk usually leads you to you know more authentic self and meaning and finding your voice and kind of supporting what really sparks your soul instead of what other people might you know expect of you and so yeah it's it's hard and it's um I think we all go through it but it's it's worth it's worth digging in there
0: (laughs) yeah so if one last thing if you how are you what are you saying to your students during this time to to get them motivated
1: Hmm. I feel like every day it's like I'm trying to come up with something. (laughs) Um,
0: What? What? How about this? Yeah. What are you doing every day to keep yourself motivated? Hmm.
1: I think I really love learning new things, and so I. I've been using, I get excited about, like, I'm so excited that now I know how to use Google Classroom. Like, <laughs> that, It sounds so silly, but we, I've had that resource available to me for years. I never had the time to figure it out or even, like, really need to, but I will continue to use it. There are fabulous tools, and it's mm-hmm. the same with, like, now I'm, I'm learn. I've learned video editing, and I'm continuing to learn it to support my students, and that makes me feel so empowered and excited that I can learn new things and adapt. And, you know, I think artists always, that's like, we thrive on that. And so I like, I think it's motivating for me to try the best I can to meet the challenge of adapting to the situation and seeing what, how I can grow out of it. And I think that's actually what I've been telling my students. That's really what we've been, um, kind of our mantra, you know, uh, what's possible what mm-hmm. what what is new that we didn't realize before and um you know i ask them all the time uh what's something new you're going to learn during this time i have one student he he's so funny he he's learned morse code during this time i have no idea how that <laughs> affect him in the future or what he will use it for but you know and then i have other students um you know we just share like what's something new that we want to learn or or do during this time? I I want to learn how to build a website. And I think those things are motivating. And I, I never had the need necessity, I should say, Mm -hmm. to do these things. Um, and so for me, that's motivating and seeing my students every day continue to grow. And even this is, this might seem small, but for me, this has been so motivating, Um, it's interesting because during this time, which I know a lot of people have already talked about, but I really am seeing that like my introverts are thriving Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and this is so beautiful. I mean, I have some students who are so shy who even like struggle from maybe a panic attack on, you know, in the classroom or whatever, they are killing the game in this Mm -hmm. situation and like they are motivating me, you know? Um, And, and I, I highlight those people to my students, and um, I think just continuing to praise them and 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 acknowledge the work that they're doing and and that we're all in it together and reminding them that it will not always be this way. Yeah, I think that's very important to remind our brains. It may not be the same as it was. <laughs> yeah, but it it will it will not always be like this. And we just gotta make the best of it, you know.
0: Yeah, it won't be the same. It'll be different, but we'll be the people that are gonna shape that difference. And I think that's what's gonna be the best part about all of this coming yeah. out of it is that we get to be we get to be the history makers, not the the people that are learning about the history. So yes. that's the fantastic part about it. And you're so right. Everything that you have said during both of our times um for this podcast have been super inspiring to me and like I told you um, in our text a couple days ago is that I felt so much um truth and transparency and all the things that you said that really helped me reflect on things that that I was going through or I'm going through now and it helped me um it helps me out a lot so I really appreciate you um coming on and sharing your whole story. And, um, I look forward to watching all of the things that you produce for your kids. I just watched one before we even came on, um, for the interview and I saw a solo on the beach with this beautiful dancer. So I can't wait to see what more comes out of it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate the opportunity that you gave me to like, just take a step and and reflect on it all. I think, you know, sometimes we need people to help us do that. And I really appreciate that um, a lot.
0: Yeah. Yay, Sabrina. Thank you so much. Tell Corey and your daughter, I said, hi, and I'll talk to you soon.
1: I will. Thank you so much, TJ. Stay well.
0: You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found. See you next week.